Well, amen. If you have your Bibles, find your place in Exodus chapter number 25. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. And Brother Gerald Burgess asked us if we'd pray for him tonight. And he's a little under the weather. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for... We thank you for this time we have tonight. This is the day you've made for us and we're rejoicing for today is another day of salvation. We enjoy with you what a great opportunity it is for us to play to gather in this meeting place to meet with you. We now draw near to you. We draw near to you and ask that you would forgive us of our sins if anything blocks us from our relationship with you tonight and from hearing your word. We confess it to you. You know all about us. We bring it into the light. We admit it. We repent of it and we ask that you would give us the ability not to, not to sin in the same ways repeatedly, but that we would live by the power that's in us through the Holy Spirit and overcome. We pray for Brother Gerald tonight that you would heal his body and be with him. Others of our people who are sick and and others who are away and distressed and troubled. And, and we pray for all the needs of our people. We thank you for the many who are here tonight. We thank you for the joy of sharing the gospel, teaching the Word of God, and for all of our boys and girls to hear and learn the Word of God, our students. And what a privilege it is. May we never, ever overlook or... Uh, neglect to appreciate these good days you give us. So we ask that tonight you'd open our minds to the truth of your word. and May the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, we're back in Exodus 35. We're a bit stuck right now, but we're stuck for a reason. And uh, is there everybody hear me all right tonight? It's good? You all right? So we go back and read. Uh, Exodus chapter 25, beginning in verse number 1. Those of you who are joining us online, may the Lord bless you. And I always, sometimes I forget to say that. We miss you, we love you, but we are glad you can join us. And I know several of you mentioned to me you'd be uh, watching us tonight. So wherever you are and whatever you're going through, we love you and we thank the Lord for you. And we're glad that you've joined us today as we walk with Israel through this journey of through the wilderness in Exodus. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Tell the sons of Israel to raise a contribution for me from every man whose heart moves him. You shall raise my contribution. This is the contribution <clears throat> contribution which you are to raise from them. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet material, uh, fine linen, goat hair, rams, uh, ram skins dyed red, porpoise skins, acacia wood, oil for lighting, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones, and setting stones for the ephod, and for the breastplate. Our primary focus is going to be verses 8 and 9 again tonight with some detail, and I hope that you picked up the outline. Those of you who are watching online, uh, there is an outline available out on the website if you want to look at the notes that we'll be talking about. They will help you tonight because I need to do a little bit more teaching uh, rather than just uh, exhortation. Let them construct a sanctuary for me. And this is the phrase I want to come back to again this week as I started to talk about last week. 
Notice this is what God says. Let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them according to all that I am going to show you, that is to Moses, as the pattern, uh, which is sometimes Paul uses the word type as a pattern um, and a model of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furniture, just so you shall construct it. So our focus tonight is again back to this very important matter of how God has given us such detail. So beginning in, I'm going to repeat, beginning, beginning in Exodus 25, all the way to the end of the book of Exodus, we have the building, the construction, and then the filling by the glory of God of the tabernacle. There is, you know, the exception, as I've mentioned to you before, uh, where the children of Israel, again, uh, in chapter 32 and 33, disobey God and go back to Egypt worship and uh, idolatry and worship the golden calf. There are many lessons for us. What has Paul told us about the Old Testament? These things are written for us uh, to be an example for us who believe. So for all of us here tonight, we take this as historic truth. Remember, these things actually happened to the children of Israel and these things needed to happen in order for salvation to come to us through Jesus Christ. So none of these are shortcuts. All of these things are planned in the purposes of God over the many thousands of years in which our salvation has come. So the salvation of Israel, the nation of Israel, uh, also helps us to see our salvation as God's new people. Uh, the uh, spiritual Israel, as sometimes Paul calls us. God's new people. So the focus tonight is this, that God gave these detailed instructions for the building of the tabernacle and why is the tabernacle important? Some of you in this room are very much students and you've studied this in detail. Uh, I'm not going to assume whether you know it or not. Uh, we're going to go through it together because it's always wonderful and joyful and extremely important spiritually for us to understand the importance of the tabernacle, which uh, later became the temple. Uh, but this is the original um, work of God in giving to Moses these amazing things. Moses was a man who heard from God. In verse number 18 of 24, I also meant to mention to you, Moses entered the midst of the cloud as he went up to the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. So uh, now Moses is with God. Moses is in the presence of God. Moses is spending time hearing from God, and he was not in any hurry. He was not in any hurry. I was looking at something the other day. Somebody had written this thing, two minutes with God. And I'm not trying to be critical. I just thought, two minutes with God? I don't think that's quite good. Two minutes with God? I mean, it takes me longer to brush my teeth than two minutes with God. Moses was there 40 days and 40 nights. I only ask you to say, do you appreciate and do you enjoy your time with God? Your daily time with God. That's, this is so important. Israel never understood. You know, where's Moses? Where's Moses? He's with God. Where's Moses? I, I would love it to hear some of your children. Grant, where's Mama? She's with God. Where's Daddy? He's with God. 
So there are two principles I want to talk about, and then we'll elaborate on this a little bit tonight. I'm going to spend a few minutes here on uh, the first point and park here for a minute because I want to talk about this very important principle. The tabernacle was the place of God's presence with His people in their journey in the wilderness to the promised land. Again, the phrase, this is God. This is the sweetness of God. He seeks fellowship with you and with me that I may dwell, notice the, the language, among them. Among them. Now, I've given you several places in the New Testament. I, well, excuse me, one in your notes, but I'm going to give you several that I want us to look at. So in your, in your Bible, let's look at this. So this is this picture of God being among them. The presence of God was with the children of Israel all the way through their journey. How did we see it? The pillar of cloud by day, the fire by night. The presence of God was there, protecting them uh, from the heat. Uh, you know, some some of the rabbis make the comment that you know this this cloud was one that covered them in the hotness of the sun in the desert. Uh, so we have to think about it not just a spinning cloud. It is the idea of a of a covering for them from the uh, heat of the day, and then of course light by night. They didn't have any kind of batteries or electricity, and so God gives them. So they're not in the dark, they are there. The presence of God is with them. The manna and the, all the things, the water provided out of the rock and all the blessings that He has given remind Israel of His presence. What God provides us teaches us about His presence. And think about what God has done for you even today that is a reminder to you of His presence in your life. He has provided for us today reminding us of His presence. Well, in John 14, I wrote the verse down for you and just typed it into your notes because I want you to see this. So there's something that happens which is quite dramatic from the tabernacle to the temple to the believer. So God is first among them. Then God is in His glory within the temple or the tabernacle in the Holy of Holies. That doesn't mean that's the only place God... But His glory, the glory of God was present as they build and we'll see in the weeks ahead this... Holy of Holies, this holy place, Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant is and all the rest. But now in our day, I'm fast forwarding to us. What is this lesson for us? Now we are astoundingly, uh, I, I mentioned this on my noonday uh, thing today, and, and this is one of those days when there's a parallel in what I'm talking about there and here. We who are believers are spirit-possessed. We who are believers are spirit-possessed. God dwells in you. This is not just an idea, some happy thought. This is a profound truth. And so John 14, what does the Lord say here? Let's take this verse carefully and read it. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him. And we will come to Him and make our mone, is the Greek word. We will make our mone with Him. Everyone knew when He said mone, we will make our dwelling place, our home, our home with Him. This is an astounding passage. And another that goes with, so, so I gave you there the, the, the process here. 
uh, B on your notes. Those who love God keep the Lord Jesus' commandments. If you love God, you're going to obey the Lord Jesus. You're going to, don't say you love God and don't obey Him. Uh, in in uh, John's first letter, he makes this point over and over. If you say you know God, do what God says. If you say you love God, then you'll show it by doing what He says. But then, those who keep the Lord's commands, those who obey God, are loved by God the Father. You want to know when God loves you? you know, everybody says, well, I'm, I'm, there is this, there is this uh, I don't want to be careful here, but I want to remind you, Sometimes we turn this so on ourselves that we're just such wonderful uh, people that God would love us. He loves you as you love Him, and you love Him by obeying Him. There is a special love relationship between God and His children. God so loved the world, He gave His only Son. But God loves the believer who obeys Him. Today I have to ask you this. So, are you an obedient believer? Or are you living in disobedience? Are you walking with God? Are you obeying what the Lord has said for you to do? Are you living in obedience? This is a critical point for all of us. The Lord Jesus makes it clear here. If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word, and my Father will love him or her. The love of God is shown and spread in my heart because... There is this mutual relationship. I love God enough, I'm going to do what the Lord Jesus says for me to do. And as I do what the Lord Jesus says for me to do, I experience this amazing love of God. I'm describing something I hope that all of you have experienced. The love of God. And have you also recognized this? And we will come to Him and make our home with Him. There's an old little booklet. Uh, you can find it ar around on websites. It's called My Heart, Christ's Home. My Heart, Christ's Home. And you really ought, if you've never read it, you it's very small, but you, you really should read the little booklet. My Heart, Christ's Home. And uh, it's a pamphlet, a little pamphlet. But uh, it is the picture of a man who came to know Christ and it's, you know, it's the imagery of taking him through the house. And going to all the rooms. Now my heart is Christ's home. You get the idea. And so uh, this becomes a very important principle for us. And I want you to see also in your Bibles another passage, that, two passages that go with this about, so now it's not that I may dwell among them. Oh, wait a minute, it's changed. Now God dwells in them. Are you hearing me? Not among them. The tabernacle was there, was that tabernacle, the glorious presence of God was there in that place. The glory of God was among them, but God was not in them. This is the New Testament distinct. This is what it means to be a child of God. This is a profound truth. This is Paul's uh, repeated phrase, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Christ in you, you in Christ, in Christ. It is His repeated phrase. It is the effect that He's in us individually and then He's building us as God's people into a spiritual house. Peter picks it up, Paul picks it up. Into a glorious spiritual habitation for the glory of God, the bride of Christ. All these images come together, but it starts in this. When you are saved, when you are born again, and you trust the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, comes to dwell in you and you are spirit-possessed. 
God comes and makes His home in your spirit, soul, and body. So, 1 John chapter 2, 24. Let's look at it for a moment. Turn over there. I want you to find it. I want to take the time to elaborate on this because I think it is of great importance for us. Uh, for us to understand who we are in Jesus Christ. The tabernacle is teaching us a picture, giving us a picture, a pre-figuring of what is going to happen and what has now happened to us. And so this is John's making a conclusion to some things he's been saying about what it means to know all things and have the anointing from the Holy Spirit in verse 20, 1 John 2.20. Now he says, as for you, this is for all of us who are believers in this room, 1 John 2.24, 1 John 2.24, this is a critical one to remember. As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. What have we all heard in here? We've heard the gospel. We've heard from the beginning that you know, there is no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. We've heard that all comes to, to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he goes on. This is 1 John 2.24. As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. Listen. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, it's in your mind. You also, please notice, will abide. It's the same word, mone. You will mone in the Son and in the Father. This is the experience of being in Christ and Christ being in you. This is the experience of abiding in Christ. It's what the Lord elaborated on in John 15. Remember? Abide in me and I in you. Abide in me and I in you. This is the pattern. I want to go to one other place. It's where I was uh, speaking this morning or this afternoon or noon or whatever time it was. On, uh, in Romans chapter 8. I want you now to go to Romans chapter 8. These verses are important. And I want you to see them, mark them down so that you remember them and think about them. Romans chapter 8, this great chapter on what God has done for the believer. On uh, noondays, I'm talking about and elaborating, going through the chapter 8 of Romans and just talking about what God has done for us. Well, here we're, we're breaking in. Verse number 9. Romans 8, 9. Find your place there. Romans 8, 9. He's talking now about we are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God, please notice His language, dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Him. If Christ is, please notice His language, in you. Though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. And then verse 11 is this verse I was on today with uh, my comments at noon. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. This is of extreme importance for us. For now, we are spirit-possessed people. We're not flesh-possessed. The desires of the flesh and all the rest we put to death now because we follow the Spirit. We follow the, uh, if I can use the word, the desires of the Spirit. 
We don't follow those impu impu the impulsiveness of the flesh. That's the best way to describe fleshly desire. It's impulsiveness. You want it, then you don't want it. You want that, then you want this. No. We are now uh, new people in Christ, possessed by the Holy Spirit. I'm asking you, how conscious are you today that you are spirit-possessed? Well, unless you capture that truth, uh, this is why we have such battles and such a hard time in our spiritual lives. This is a profound, amazing thing. What? It's amazing for us to be in Exodus and read that the glory of God would, would appear in a temporary tent that they put up and broke down with some curtains and some gold and some furnishings. And then in the temp and the, the, the glory of God fills the tabernacle as we'll see at the end of Exodus. And, and lo and behold, in the temple, the glory of God fills the temple as it's permanently built in Jerusalem on Mount Zion. But now, Christ is in all of us at the same time. All of His people throughout the world. This is an amazing thing. So when you come near, when you draw near, this is my point to you, as you come near to pray, as you draw near, you come. why would you spend two minutes with God? How could you spend two minutes with God? You must spend longer and longer time with God. Even if it means, I like what Martin Luther the Reformer said, I have so much to do today, I'm going to spend three hours with God. That's pretty good. He was trying to make the point. And Christ is in you if you're a believer tonight. All right. Well, I, there's much more to say about this. It's a burden of mine as a pastor here that I think that this is one of those things. You know, you see, the problem with many of us in our, believe, in our Christian life is we have a lack, we do not understand the truth. We, we need a truth encounter with the Word of God. If I know the truth, the truth will set me free. In other words, if this is true about what I've just said about being possessed by the Spirit, why, that changes everything about how I can overcome sin in my life. Rather than, as I said at uh, lunchtime today, the man says to me, well, I, can, I, you know, I can't overcome these things in my life. Well, wait a minute, you're an overcomer in Christ. Yes, you can. Yeah, there's a thing called in the, spirit, in the fruit of the Spirit called self-control. I say no. I resist it. I'm not going to do it. I turn. I, don't, I yield to the Spirit's presence in my life. All of these things are... I'm describing as the normal Christian life, but they seem to have been lost somewhere in time. If you are saved tonight and you are obeying the Lord, God the Father loves you and God has by the Holy Spirit taken up, His home is in you and He controls now your spirit, soul, and your body. Glorify God with your body. Now, he comes to this second point which is going to be where we're going to spend a lot of time. Now I'm going to go real I'm going to start to roll really slow in the weeks ahead. Next week we'll talk simply about the ark of the covenant. And we'll talk about the ark of the covenant, then we'll talk about the table of showbread. And then we'll talk about the golden lampstand. The next time I'm here we'll 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 do that and then you know the golden lampstand, the curtain linens into 26.
the curtains of goat hairs, uh, the boards and the sockets. I mean, this is the detail of God. The boards and the sockets. <laughs> How detailed is God? I'm wanting you to set up this place where the glory of God will dwell and I will meet God's people and I will be among them. Now let's talk about the boards and the sockets. The veil and the screen and the bronze altar. I'm just moving through 27. The court of the tabernacle. And then he comes to talk about the priests, uh, the tribe of Levi, and the garments of the priests, and the consecration of priests, and the food of the priests. How are the, food, how are the priests going to be fed? And, and the altar of incense, and the anointing oil. Just one quick reference. So the anointing oil here is described for the priests. And then I just read to you 1 John 2.20. Believers, I'm speaking to you. If you're, you have an anointing from the Holy One. You and we all know our anointing gives us knowledge of God's Word and its truth. That's why when I was not saved, I never could figure out what the Bible meant. It was like a riddle. It was just words and it just complicated. And lo and behold, I became a believer in Christ and started to read the Bible and it start, it, I knew it. What happened? I got saved. So, anyway, you can see then it goes on. The consecration of the priests in 29. Again, more about the food of the priests, the altar, the incense, the skill. Then, then we, we get close and we'll come to the golden calf and we'll talk about that. But we'll, we'll work through these a little at a time. Um, and, uh, but now, let's think about this matter of the specifications of the tabernacle. I've given you a verse from Romans, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 8, these five verses, and I just printed them. It's easier for me to just have you follow it here in your notes. And if, if you don't have your notes, then you can look up Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. So here's the main point that's being, that there's a conclusion that Paul is drawing in Hebrews 8. The main point in what has been said is this. Here's the main point. We have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in, in the heavens. A minister, please notice his language, a minister in the sanctuary. Here's the word. A minister in the sanctuary and in the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched, not man. So this is a picture, the tabernacle is such a glorious picture of heaven. It's a glorious picture of the Lord Jesus Christ who tabernacled among us. The tabernacle has some wonderful things that point forward. They're forward. They're, they're prophetic in talking about what we, what we will see and experience. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, so it is necessary that this high priest also have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are those who offer these gifts according to the law. And then I've underlined it for you who serve, so the priests on earth, this tabernacle on the earth, the temple as it came later, they serve as a copy and a shadow of heavenly things. We're now going to be entering into a time of talking about pictures of heaven. Pictures of heaven. Heaven is our inheritance and heaven is our home. And the Lord has blessed us with these prefigured, strange... Uh, furnishings and this um, building, structure 
that teaches us the glory of heavenly things. And that's what Paul said we should be doing. Set your mind on things above. Someone's telling me today, well, you know, I was asking about how somebody was. Well, they're really upset they've been listening to the news. No kidding. Are you kidding? Just as Moses was warned by God when he was about to erect the tabernacle. And here we are. He quotes from where we are right here. See, he says, that you make all things. This is very important to God. The detail of the tabernacle being made to divine specifications. See that you make all things according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. So you have two tellings in Exodus of the construction of the tabernacle. And we're going to go through the two tellings of the structure of the tabernacle. So I'm just giving you ahead of time where we're going to be going. So let's look at some of these. I'm just going to make some observations here about the tabernacle that you know. You know. And oh, by the way, I did want to mention to you, sometimes you'll read the word. Paul uses the word type in his writings. Uh, in Romans 5.14, I'll just... In Romans 5.14, for example, Paul says, Death reigned from Adam to Moses. Um, and um, even though, even though they had, we have not, those others have not sinned in likeness to Adam's sin, but Adam is a type of him who was to come. And so, I, you know, sometimes you, so the, the word is, is tupas. The Greek word is tupas. It is a type. It is, the word type Paul is using is a word that means to prefigure something that's future that has to do with the promised one, with the Messiah, or our word is Christ. These types. So this is a type. The tabernacle is a type. It is, it is um, in, a, in, in time when, with Israel, it served its purpose, but it was prefiguring, revealing future things about the Lord Jesus Christ and about heaven. That's why it's very important to us as believers. And that's why a massive amount of the book of Hebrews elaborates on this in lots of detail. So the tabernacle, as I mentioned before, was, was a movable tent. It, it, it was not a permanent structure because Israel's on the move. Great lesson. Wherever you go, God goes with you. What did the Lord say? Go make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe whatever I've commanded you. And I am with you always. God goes with us as we go on mission. Isn't that good? Wherever you go, God is there. You're not going to go anywhere and serve God and the Lord say, Oh, I better go help Him. He's with you. He goes with you. He goes with you. This is so wonderful. The tabernacle was was a temporary use. It was a movable tent. It was also for use in the wilderness. In the wilderness. Think about this as it parallels the Lord Jesus. Yes, He was here. Uh, John 1.14 We beheld His glory. Glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. But above that, the Word became flesh and dwelt with us. The Word is He tabernacled. He was, he was here for a temporary time on the earth. That's what the Lord Jesus did. And this world, in many ways, like a wilderness. Well, the tabernacle was for use in the wilderness. And uh, the, the next thing, it wasn't unattractive. It's just a, t it's a tent. It, it's not elaborate. You're going to see as we look at it, and you've seen pictures of it. And since we live in the times in which we live, you can leave here and go 
check everything the preacher's talking about. Go Google it and look at pictures of the tabernacle as artists have rendered it. It's not that fancy. It's just a tent with some curtains, goat hair, and inside though are some glorious things. But the external appearance, not anything like the temple of God. And there's interesting parallels about how the believer is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now that is something different for us to talk about, but then again we'll get to some of that. The tabernacle is God's dwelling place as I've been talking about in detail. It reveals the glory of God in the Holy of Holies. Think about this. God's presence was waiting for Israel behind that veil. The presence of God was waiting for Israel behind the veil. It wasn't as dramatic and powerful as the quaking mountains and the other things they had seen before, but when the tabernacle is constructed, clear through, remember the time of King David, David. There is this, the Shekinah, as it's called, glory of God, waits behind the veil. That's why I believe the Lord said to us, go to your special, quiet, secret place and meet God in His glory. You cannot do it out there running the roads. Yes, you pray, but you go to the place. You go to the place and you meet God. Who would not want to do that? You'll be changed by it if you go to it. And the tabernacle was the tent of meeting. Exodus 25, There I will meet with you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, which are upon the ark of the testimony. I will speak to you about all that I will give you in the commandment for the sons of Israel. I will meet you in the tent of meeting. God meets us at the tent of meeting. God meets you as you draw near to Him in your private place, in your private time. And He meets with us as we come here to worship God together and to meet around the Word of God. The tabernacle was the center of Israel's camp. I mentioned this to you last week. With the priests encamped around it. It's a beautiful picture. And you can see some drawings of it. And one day, uh, you know, if some of you will remind an old man, I'll, bring, I'll, I'll get a picture for you of it. Uh, you shall appoint the Levites over the tabernacle the testimony and of all the furnishings and over all that belongs to it. And they shall carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings and they shall take care of it. Notice, and they shall also camp around the tabernacle. The priests camp around the tabernacle. And the tribe of Israel then camps around the Levites in groups in twelve and the tribes are on the three sides. It's, it's a tremendous structure and order of the tents and the movement of God's people and in the center is the tabernacle. The tabernacle was the place where the law of God was kept inside of the ark of the covenant. The tabernacle was the place where sacrifice was made. Blood flows, blood flows at the tabernacle. Blood flows at the tabernacle every day. Blood flows at the tabernacle. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. The blood flows. I want you to think about the flowing of blood from these sacrifices and the smell and the smoke 
and the incense and all that was with it. Smoke is rising and the blood is flowing because of the sin of man. And the only way that we can have relationship with God is through sacrifice and praise God. What does 1 John tell us? He is our propitiation for our sins. He's the satisfaction for our sins. Aren't you glad of that tonight? The Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad? I've always asked this church, aren't you glad you didn't have to bring your goat up here tonight and get in line to get your goat or your pigeons or whatever you have sacrificed. And then you went home just as guilty as you came with that old goat, didn't you? But now when you get saved, He cleanses your conscience. Man, that's... The tabernacle had but one door into the presence of God. There weren't like multiple doors you could go around to. One door. Only one way into the presence of God. What a glorious thing. So as we finish up tonight, uh, these last few minutes, what do we need to remember and do? Well... Some of these things I've already been talking about in detail. The symbol of the presence of God is so good for us. Hebrews 9, 23 and 24, Therefore it was necessary for the copies of the things in the heavens to be cleansed with these things, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, a mere copy, notice, a copy of the true one, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us in the Weeks ahead, I'm going to be turning our attention after we finish talking about being dead to the world to a very sweet, wonderful topic as we come to Easter and some other things. I'm going to be talking to us about what should be one of the most treasured, precious things to us as a believer, Christ our High Priest. Uh, we do not appreciate this as American believers. I don't think that church in general and the world appreciates the glory, the majesty of our high priest and what he does for us. He appears in the presence of God for us today, this moment. Real, not an idea. The living Lord Jesus Christ appearing in the presence of God for us in his glorified body. You must go to some of these places I'm talking about in your mind and meditate on it. It'll help you. When you're in your worst time thinking that the whole world has fallen apart. Wait a minute. There's someone in the presence of God for you today who never, who has an indestructible life, who eternally intercedes for us. This is, I'm about to go off here, so I'm going to just stop it right there. The tabernacle is a type of the Lord Jesus in His earthly work. 2 Corinthians 5.19 God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. In the Lord Jesus, Colossians 2.9 The fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily. Hebrews chapter 10.5 What did the Lord say from the psalm? A body you have prepared for me. Lo, I have come to do... Lo, I have come... Lo, in the book it is written for me to come and do your will. This is what the Lord Jesus has done. And God meets with His people in the tabernacle. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, Revelation 21.3, and He will dwell with them, and you shall be His people, and God Himself shall be with them and be their God. And should I remind us all tonight that the only way we can meet God is through the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our mediator. 
The Lord said it, no one comes to the Father but by me. Isn't it sad to see people who try to get to God without coming through the Lord Jesus? 1 Timothy 2.5, there is one mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ the righteous. So, brothers and sisters, I know it's like a broken record. I just appeal to you. I'm trying to appeal to your heart. Draw near to God. Draw near to God. What have you drawn near to today? Draw near to God. Did you draw near to God this morning? Will you draw near to Him tonight when you go home? And live in this awareness that Christ lives in you. Practice the presence of God in you. You know, there was the old book, Practicing the Presence of God. Yes, His presence around us, but He's in us. He's in us. And so we give that great passage to close tonight, and we all memorized it, didn't we? Most of the group in here has memorized it. Galatians 2.20 I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, right? But not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. Paul never got over this. Christ lives in me. And I pray that we won't get over it. To the praise of the glory of His grace, the Lord is near the door. The Lord is near the door. Somebody was telling me the other day, they're getting tired of me saying that. Well, good. I'm going to just keep saying it now. And I'm also going to say this. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. Yep. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the Word of God. We have much to learn and understand as beyond our own imagination or ability to understand, but You by the Holy Spirit, we have the anointing from the Holy One and we know all. We know because You teach us the truth. And we have the Lord Jesus Christ who is the truth. We honor and glorify You. May we draw near and may our times with You be extended. Oh, the world makes us busy. Oh, the world makes us frantic. Oh, the world makes us nervous. But when we come into Your presence, we experience Your glorious power, renewal, encouragement, and love. May we draw near to You. May it become our ambition, our greatest ambition, to go through and find ourselves and shut ourselves in that secret place just like the holy place was that secret place where the glory of God dwelled. May we find You in that secret place and experience the glory of being alone with God and discovering Christ in us, the hope of glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.